Welcome to 40 Minutes of Funk, a podcast dedicated to introducing you to the finest funk artists, musicians, and experts from yesterday to today and from all over the globe. I'm your host, Michael B., and together we'll also explore funk philosophies and perspectives and have a fun and funky time. Each episode features at least 40 minutes of interviews plus original recordings provided by our guests. Today's guests hail from a West Coast juggernaut band that's been lighting up the San Diego music scene for nearly 10 years. With a big sound, they traverse the musical arenas of funk, soul jazz, cinematic funk, Afro-funk, and more. Not only have their records sold all over the planet, but they're also tied heavily into their local communities, winning state and national accolades along the way. Please help me give a gigantic 40 Minutes of Funk welcome to two members of the colossal nine-member outfit, the Surefire Soul Ensemble. Welcome, Tim Felton and Jesse Adello. Welcome to the show, Tim and Jesse. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, as I mentioned before the show, um, I host an instrumental funk radio show, and I've been playing a bunch of your tunes, especially uh, over the last few months. Uh, so it's great to talk with you today. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having us. us. Uh, where are you guys dialing in from today? I'm, I'm in San Diego, uh, Lemon Grove specifically. And I'm up in uh, L.A., in the Alhambra area. All right. And that was Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for our listeners, they can't see your, your faces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Jesse, I got to say, I dig the purple lights behind you, man. Is that, Thanks, man. Is that part of, is that an actual, like, your background, or do you have a fake Zoom background? No, that is my actual background. Um, I do lots of Zoom calls. Yeah. Uh, that, as most people do. And um, I'm dabbling in uh, some YouTube content as well, so I need to needed to spice up my background a little bit. Yeah, that that, that does look nice. Yeah, I dig it. Well, and then uh, for our listeners, Tim's got stacks of vinyl behind him, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a little bit as well uh, too. So, nice, nice. So before we get into band history, let's talk lineup. Who are the current members of the Surefire Soul Ensemble, and what is each person's role or roles in the band? Maybe you guys can start off with yourselves and then introduce the rest of the band. Sure. Well, I, I'm Tim Felton. I play the keyboards. I am the band leader and produce and engineer the records. Okay. And I'm Jesse Adello. I play uh, sax and flute, and I also help... Uh, produce a record, do some arranging, and some vocals. And we've got in the band Jake Nager, who is the drummer. You've got Travis Klein, who plays sax and flute along with Jesse. We've got Omar Lopez, who plays bass. Uh, we've got Lito Magana Jr., who plays guitar. Um, Kiko Cornejo Jr., another junior, uh, who's a percussionist, uh, um, and then we've got uh, Willie Fleming, who plays trombone, and my wife, Cheryl Felton, who plays some percussion as well. All right. So just a small band. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. <laughs> uh, so how and when did the Surefire Soul Ensemble come together? All right. We're getting older. Memory is getting a little hazy. I think I it was <laughs> like I think it was like 2011. Or tw no, maybe 2012, somewhere somewhere yeah. in the early 2010s, I reached out to some former uh, band members, um, Matt LaBarber and Pete Williams, uh, the bass and drummer, mm -hmm. and we started um, rehearsing some tunes that, that I had written with uh, a former member, Chris Lee, mm -hmm. and so it started around then, and then we had another guitar player at that time, Nick Costa, as well, and, and Jesse wasn't even, he wasn't in the band initially but he came on like in the first few months of us playing shows mm -hmm. well, where does the band name come from it's just something that came out of my head i think i was inspired by another local band that was called the apple brown ensemble uh -huh. I, I like the word ensemble so then you know <laughs> surefire just seems like yeah you know <laughs> it, just, it just seems like it's gonna be bad badass so 
Um, like anything with the word fire in it, it's got to be fire, right? Any, <laughs> it's got to be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ho- ho- hopefully, Jungle Fire isn't, isn't mad that we that we borrowed fire <laughs> as well. well. You guys are on the same label, so I, I would assume it's okay, right? I, I I think it's okay. Yeah. Were there any other band name considerations? Any anything that you passed on or tried out and then threw out? There, no. I I I had the name before I even called people. I, I was ready with it. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Okay, so it, you mentioned fire being, you know, uh, a hallmark for the band, and so I got to know who would you say is the fieriest or most fiery member of the Surefire Soul Ensemble? Got to be Jesse, one, Jesse. What do you think about that? I don't, I don't know, man. I, I honestly think it's Jake. I honestly think it's Jake because I draw a lot when we're performing live, and he's on drums. I draw a lot of energy from him. Like I will literally look behind me to see what his facial expression is. And half the time, sometimes it's, it's, he's so in the zone and he's just like real, like dead faced because he's in the zone. And then sometimes he just like lets it out and he'll just, you see it all over his face. So I I think it's Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, Jake Nager is, is an all-star drummer. He's been around playing music for like professionally for like 25 years, I think. Yeah. He played in uh, Robert Walters' 20th Congress. Oh, he, sweet. He played in, in Break Astra, Connie Price and the Keystones. He, he's Dang. been in all kinds of great bands. Yeah. 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 That's a huge lineup already. And yeah. now Surefire. And now Surefire. You guys ever dabble in pyrotechnics? Like put the fire on stage? <laughs> that, that, that's coming, I think. That's no, kind of that, your... we, we haven't, though. Okay. <laughs> Well, maybe something to think about. You don't have to get real fire. You can get those little like fans that have the color and the colored lights and the things that blow. I don't know. Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> I'll put I'll put that at the end of my saxophone or something, and we'll see what comes out. <laughs> That's right. We've already got the purple lights behind you, so I feel like I may- maybe you're the guy in the band to make this happen. To make um, a little a little showier there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the whole experience. That's right. Well, how would you describe the music of uh, the Surefire Soul Ensemble? Well, it's it's rooted in the ma- the masters of funk, soul, soul jazz, jazz funk, mm-hmm. Afrobeat. It's rooted in you know the in- inspired by by them and influenced by by modern bands that are that are doing similar things. But I guess we're just trying to really focus on our own our own take on it. Mm-hmm. And um, try try and be as original as we can within the confines of genres and what we're doing. Yeah. How do you go, guys go about setting yourselves apart from your contemporaries? You talk about you know being influenced by you know other bands. What do you think makes uh, the Surefire Soul Ensemble stand out? I think we we're not af- afraid to take certain risks. Obviously, we we um, pay uh, homage to the the masters of previous decades and 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 uh and people that we listen to you know in our contemporaries mm-hmm. but also on the same token uh we don't mind mixing things up a little bit and even though we're staying in the same vein we might experiment with new sounds um going back to the previous question i really think of the 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 music as being cinematic it's cinematic mm-hmm. souls like it's a whole genre right library what we would call library music right but really the when you think about the the opportunity to explore imagery through music mm-hmm. right i mean then the the possibilities are endless you can really do a whole lot of stuff and i think that's what we try to do and how we differ from other bands is that we are really we're really trying to capture uh imagery in in our music yeah i like that a lot i want to i want to go a little bit deeper into that here in a few minutes but i want to start off and hear your first song so by the way all of today's songs come from your brand new coal mine records lp step down uh, which comes out april 1st and i'd like to talk about the record specifically a little bit later but for now uh, let's check out the title track and the first single off the album what can you tell us about how the song step down came together well it was during lockdown and i had some some time on my hands newly new new time <laughs> since we weren't playing any shows and, and doing doing that 
And I just started writing a lot of like basic rhythm section structures, you know, uh-huh. gathering some, some drum breaks and then kind of pounding out uh, bass lines and guitar and keyboard parts in Ableton, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes leaving the bass or the guitar out as well and just sen- sending it to the guys. And so this is one of the tunes that, that got sent around and was written with the help of, of Lito on guitar and, and Travis Klein wrote the main horn melody. And then Jesse came through and just delivered an incredible flute solo on it. And yeah, and everyone actually laid down their own parts at their, at their own studio on this one. So Ooh. it's a, it's pretty amazing. It came out the way it did. Cause we're, we're really used to recording together, you know, yeah. in pre in previous efforts. Some, some of the songs on this record were recorded before locked in and, and they have that feel but you know some of them were, were more produced like a hip-hop track i guess yeah how do you come up with it with titles whenever you're doing predominantly instrumental music how did this get the title step down specifically well well i, I yeah i named this one and it was just in reaction to what was happening early on in the pandemic with uh congress kind of dragging their feet on getting out assistance to people like we're being asked to all stay at home, but you know we're lo- <laughs> we're we're losing money and worried about how we're going to pay our, pay our rent and whatnot. And, yeah. and they were just dragging their feet. And same with the president; he was kind of denying the situation at the time. So I was just like, "These fools need to step down." <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, let's give it a listen. Here's "Step Down" by the Surefire Soul Ensemble.
I'm back with my guests, Jesse Adello and Tim Felton from the Surefire Soul Ensemble. And with nine musicians in your band, what is the leadership style for the group? Does everyone have different leadership roles? Is it less democratic? Um, you mentioned, Tim, that you kind of lead the band. How does how does it work getting these nine folks together and agreeing on songs and sounds and gigs and all of that? I defer to Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's what has uh, kept us together <laughs> over the years. Nice. You know, be, being a manager is uh, is something I kind of learned with, with this band, really. And, you know, there were some... There were some tears and some, some, <laughs> some up, some hurt feelings along the way. You know, I, I mentioned former members, so it's not, it's not always easy and, you know, things don't always work out perfectly, but I think we've eventually come to a group of musicians who all really understand the style mm-hmm. first and foremost. I think that's very, very important and also have the, have the time and the, the ability to to participate in the band mm-hmm. at a professional level. So luckily it's pretty easy with this, with this group of guys. I mean, there's always the the behind the scenes stuff, which kind of can be a pain in the ass. I'd rather pay someone else to do it, but you know, we're just not at that point yet. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I just, I just try and, and relax and, and let these guys do their, do their thing at this point. Like it, it's just easy. It's, it's really easy to lead now. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the style of music that you do. Uh, you guys have called yourselves an Afro-funk and soul jazz band. Uh, for any listeners who may not be familiar with the term, could you describe the sound and the style of Afro-funk and how it's separate or even similar, how, how it relates to the typical sound of funk? You want this one, Jesse? Sure. Um, so we derive a lot of our influence um dating back to artists like uh fela kuti mm-hmm. back in in the 70s and what he was doing and essentially a, a movement that came out of africa um where funk was introduced to different communities and they incorporated a lot of percussive elements mm-hmm. uh, that are normal to african societies and african music with this uh infusion of, of funk grooves and uh and in the, the instrumentation mm-hmm. right and so from that was born uh what we know as afrobeat mm-hmm. moving forward um afrobeat is still around in that in that context with bands like um antibalas and mm-hmm. and um like I, I even think of budo span a little bit as Absolutely. having that influence yeah totally so so really what it boils down to is a lot more percussive elements along with a really heavy fat sound. And that's what they gravitated towards in that Afrobeat style. Mm-hmm. As far as the soul jazz, I mean, you're taking, it was a, it was a movement, I think um, back in the sixties and seventies where jazz musicians who could rip and burn on, on bebop stylings. And, you know, we talk about the golden era of jazz being in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, but, not everyone had the that predisposition you know to play in that in that style all the time sometimes they they had different influences and and certainly we ha- we think of our um our soul heroes like Otis Redding and we mm. think of you know Sam Cooke and mm. and all that was happening at the same time so why wouldn't it make sense that jazz and soul would come together in in to create that and so we're just kind of continuing that lineage and it's it's you know still happening today yeah I love that. Well, I would also classify a lot of your music, as you've said already, cinema as cinematic funk or even deep funk. Uh, how do you guys go about dialing in into that big cinematic deep sound as a band? It you know just uh, layering and you know creating a deep you know starting starting with the drums and the bass. You start there with a, with an amazing groove. We got two of the most amazing players in those chairs so just laying down a fat a fat fat groove and then mm-hmm. you know s- figuring out where the melody is going to be whether it's with the, the guitar the keys or the horns and then the, in the horn section is three people live but usually on recordings it's you know f- four or five instruments deep on that so it's just you know layering and, the, and then knowing when to pull 
pull things out and, and break it down to you know just the essentials even even when um i'll I'll get some of the tracks from tim and he'll he'll say hey can you write a horn line to this or can you write some horn stuff um a lot of my influence comes from big band writing from orchestral writing i don't write for this group in in the same way that i might write for just a, a pop type mm-hmm. of thing it's it's re- it really is thought out as far as what the ranges are going to be what the instrumentation is and i think for example um we use quite a bit of flute mm-hmm. right and not not just is as a as a stylistic thing but also as a textural sound and and the, and the way we use it it's it's almost the way that a film score would use that instrument to add a little bit of uh, air to the sound, you know? So mm-hmm. in that way, it really is cinematic. Like we're thinking about it as being cinematic and, and creating a vibe, creating a, a certain presence. Mm-hmm. Creating an atmosphere, right? Exactly. Yeah. Tim, have you ever had to go back to the guys and say, this isn't deep enough, go deeper. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not, not lately. Um, and uh, you know, with it, with this, with this album, it was kind of different since I was, you know, everyone was recording at least at least half the songs. Everyone was recording at their house, and I had a, a chance to like really examine stuff. I guess, yeah, maybe once or twice I, I did ask people to to reduce stuff, but yeah, yeah, especially producing it this way, where everything's like really under a microscope, and I'm bringing stuff in and trying to piece it together like a like a hip hop tune. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think that happens so often, though, because all the guys in the band are, are such high-level musicians. Yeah, they all, I, they all check themselves before it gets to Tim, right? I certainly do. I know I, I have several takes before I'm like, no, I think Tim would dig this like this. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, behind Tim uh, is clearly um, a large vinyl record collection. We can just see a portion of it. Before we, yeah, there we go. Before we dig into Tim's collection, um, do you guys have any go-to funk records or albums like when you need to get on the funk or you need to like get a certain attitude or sound or groove in your head? What are you pulling out and listening to? Uh, I'll go first. This is Tim. (laughs) I will bust out Jimmy Smith Root Down or The Meters' first album, uh, McGriff, Electric Funk. Mm-hmm. Um, Booker T and the MGs, Melting Pot. Yeah. Um, so a lot of o- organ groove, huh? Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of organ stuff. Um, I, I love uh, Ramsey Lewis as well. I've got yeah. like mo- most of his late sixties and early seventies records. That's uh, good stuff. Gene, Gene Harris, mm-hmm. Jesse, you can go ahead. I I don't think there's any particular record that that I draw specific inspiration from. Although I do listen to like in preparation for shows um i do listen to like a lot of stanley turrentine mm. because he I, I just like the way that he straddles a line of of soul and blues playing along with jazz um i love maceo parker yeah and and his his rhythmic timing i think is just impeccable for mm-hmm. funk mm-hmm. you know um and those those are like my big things. I think even but even contemporaries like I I I love Jungle Fire. I play with those guys sometimes. Oh sweet! And they get me pumped for shows. So as far as like something that I listen to that just gets going and then the right like headspace for playing this kind of stuff, it's I might listen to them or or Monophonics. Yeah, you know, I love those guys too. Yeah, are you a, are you also a vinyl record collector, Jesse? I'm not a. I don't have a, an extensive collection, to be honest. Yeah. I, we. I really wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too um, late to starting, start. I was. I know. No, I was starting before the pandemic, and then, uh, and then that money had to go to rent. So <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so I couldn't, you know. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm lucky that I, that I've reached my my final residence here. I, we 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 own a home here in in San Diego. But you know, we got in at the got in at the right time, so that's why my vinyl collection has really had a chance to grow. Because you don't want to be moving records from from house to house, you know. No. It's, just, it's too heavy. It's so inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive and convenient, but but fun. 
Uh, well, Tim, every time I've got somebody on the show that, that clearly has a record collection, I have to ask two questions. First of all, are there any jewels in your collection? You mentioned you've got a bunch of early Ramsey Lewis, but are there any particular records that are like, this, this is the cream of the crop for you? I don't think that I have anything that's like where like collectors would would freak sure. out. But but stuff for me, I've got, you know, I've got first pressing meters, first album, nice. first pressing parliament, um, self-titled album as well. So very good. And root down the McGriff that I mentioned. I, ha- I have all those records, a bunch of bunch of Blue Note stuff. I found uh, Grant Green. I think it's live at the lighthouse. I found oh, that wow. at a, thr- a thrift store down the street from my house. So that, that one was nice because I got that for two bucks and you know, <laughs> it's just an incredible record. I wasn't expecting to pull that out of this antique store. Um, Did you run to the parking lot and hope nobody saw what you had just done? I'm well, I bought like a hundred records that day. Cause, cause so- someone's f- funky grandma or grandpa just like donated all their records and, and this antique store got it and oh I, my gosh i managed to score a bunch of motowns too and a bu- bunch of soul jazz for two dollars a piece so it man was, it was kind of incredible the universe was smiling on you that day man right place right time that's that's the best i've done i think right there <laughs> <laughs> do you have any guilty pleasure records like something that maybe doesn't fit the normal funk groove spectrum and you might be embarrassed to let people know that you have but you still keep it in case you need to pull it out and listen to it <laughs> I, I don't know about guilty pleasure um i have a bunch of punk records i, okay. I love listening i love listening to punk i used to used to play drums in a punk band when i was in high school and early college so yeah i, I still still love the punk what do, what bands minor threat dead kennedy's Bad Religion, okay. Misfits, those, those kind of bands. Very cool. Hard, hardcore punk. <laughs> yeah. Well, something I ask each guest about is something I call funk with a capital F, uh, which is more about the specific philosophies or perspectives of funk uh, besides the, the genre itself. What are some funk philosophies that guide or influence each of you, either musically or personally? Well, um, I think for me some funk philosophies you know i uh before i started playing with surefire i really didn't i i mean i knew about funk but i, I didn't i wasn't deep diving into it mm-hmm. and i think um what i extracted from from listening to a lot of it is um it's just all about the groove it's all about the groove even when you're soloing as a sax player it's all about the groove i mentioned maceo parker and his like his melodies are are relatively simple, mm-hmm. right? But the rhythmic content is like so pocket and it's so right on. I mean, and that's that's what it boils down to. And I tell uh, I I have saxophone students, and every time they ask me about those kind of things, I said, you know what? It's all about the groove and the pocket and where you fit into that. Mm. Yeah, f- for me, it's it's a, there's a lot of things that are, that are important musically, like Jesse said. Yeah, gr- groove and pocket. But also like the the social and political dynamics of of what funk was and when when it was founded, mm. and you know, and it's Af- it's African American music and kind of standing. I think standing politically and socially with with the roots of funk is important is important as well. Very yeah. very important. Yeah, one of your past collaborations uh, has been with soul singer Kelly Finnegan, uh, who's about to drop a new album uh, with the Monophonics. Uh, by the way. How did you guys meet Kelly and how did you go about arranging music for his vocals? I met Kelly at a show at a venue called Winston's in San Diego. I was playing with another group called Pocket, which is like a soul soul jazz quartet. It's a great name, by the way. Pocket, yeah. And and uh, actually Kiko, that's where I met Kiko uh from our band from Surefire. He was in he was in Pocket as well. So okay. we we played we played with them there, and I had just the rough mixes of of kind of like our first few tunes that we recorded. I think it was like laying low and city Heights on a CD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gave it to <laughs> Kelly at the show. And he like, I think at the sound check and he like went out and listened to it in the van and gave me feedback, like before the night was over. And he, he was like super complimentary and told me about coal mine because they were already do, doing stuff with them. Yeah. So yeah, it's just been an ongoing relationship and we had, yeah, we'd, recorded message from the meters and we were trying to figure out who would do vocals and 
Hmm. I think someone, if it wasn't me, it was someone else in the group throughout the idea. Let's, let's ask Kelly. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's ask Kelly. <laughs> and, and we recorded the, the vocals at, at Sergio Rios, Rios studio in LA. Mm. Sergio's from Oregon. Yeah. And, and then he played guitar on it and, and like, we, we weren't even expecting that, but it was just like such a nice added touch to, to, to the message from the meters version that we did. Yeah. That's cool. What's been one of your favorite or funniest moments or memories as a band so far? Oh man, that's a, that feels like a loaded question. I don't know. (laughs) 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 We've got, we've got what we're going to tell you and what's actually happened. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Something that that the public is, can can hear. (laughs) Uh, We've, we've had some good times just like in, in the van and, uh, um, traveling and uh, you know even even play, playing shows here. We, we recorded a, a, a live record that's going to be coming out on a, on a label that I started called All Town Sound, mm. um, and we recorded that at an outdoor venue in San Diego. It was, it was on Mother's Day, and it was just it was just a great vibe. We had break dancers out like like breaking while we were playing, and that, that was that was super cool. Um, that, that that's a highlight for me. What, what do you think, Jesse? Um, yeah, I love, I love that day. I love the, the, the break dancers that came out for that. Um, and also the kids, you know, it, it's an all ages place. So the, like little kids are dancing too, and you don't get to see that so often if you're playing in a club, obviously. Yeah. So that was really, it was really rad to have that, um, to have that experience. Um, I just, I, like Tim mentioned, I, I think back to, uh, some of our initial, our first tours, and just the long drives in vans, and we had a van broken into in San Francisco. Oh no! I, st- <laughs> I still tell that story to people to be on their guard. Yeah, but uh, I really have a lot of fondness for just all the shows that we've done, and yeah. um, you know, some somewhere where the audience, uh, where the band outnumbered the audience. <laughs> and then some somewhere they were just popping i mean it was going off and everyone was so excited and so happy and and um even though uh surefires had a little hiatus um with the pandemic i certainly get people um in the streets of san diego coming up and being like hey you play for surefire i really like that band when are you guys playing again and nice. we finally are are back up and running here that's good well, thanks for those stories, guys. Um, I'd like to play another song from your upcoming album, Step Down. Uh, the song is called The Other Side, uh, and it's the second single from the album. What should we be listening for on this recording? There's a lot of Isaac Hayes influence, um, mm. especially in kind of the guitar bass. It's like a unison kind of groove line. So it's got that, and then it's got yeah, and I, of course Isaac Hayes is like one of the godfathers of cinematic soul. Oh yeah. Um, so it's got that influence. There, there's a there's a cool octave guitar line that's answered by uh, Jesse on the flute, mm. and then you know some nice ho- horn accents. Uh, the rhythm sections just kind of kind of driving the whole time. It's got some nice per- percussion highlights that, that kind of c- come in at times. Uh, yeah. fuzz guitar solo it's just like yeah it's a total like isaac hayes influenced yeah just nice cut i like it well listeners dial in for some isaac hayes influence here's the other side by the surefire soul ensemble Thank you. 
Hey friends, this is Michael B. with exciting opportunities for you to join the ranks of 40 Minutes of Funk. This podcast is designed to create a global network of funk musicians and fans like you who enjoy funk music, and there's lots of ways you can help be a part of its success. First, please subscribe, rate, and leave feedback about the show wherever you listen. It helps make the podcast easier to find for future listeners. Next, like, follow, share, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter posts at 40 Minutes of Funk. If you enjoy listening, please consider making a one-time or monthly gift. Visit buymeacoffee.com to make a one-time gift of any dollar amount or as often as you like, or patreon.com to set up monthly support starting at as little as $5 a month and receive all kinds of exclusive bonus content. Every dollar amount is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. Today's special guests are Tim Felton and Jesse Adello from the Surefire Soul Ensemble. Uh, before we tackle the new record, I'd like to jump back to 2015. In June of that year, you released your first LP, a self-titled album on Coal Mine Records. Uh, first off, congrats for being picked up uh, by such a great and huge label. What was the process like for you to get noticed and eventually signed by Coal Mine? Well, our, our first uh, our first release was a was a self released forty five that had um, "Lay in Low" and and the song "I Be Strutting" on it, which both mm -hmm. went on to be on the on the LP as well. So I had sent those tracks to Terry, and I think I sent it to an email address that he wasn't really checking at the time because he got back to me like a year later. This is this is Terry Cole, by the way, right? Ter the, the Terry founder. Cole. Yeah, the founder, the man, Coal Mine Records. So the record, the forty five was already out by then. He 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 emailed me back. He's like, oh man, this isn't an email address I normally use, but I decided to just check it out. I really <laughs> love these tunes. Can I put them out? And I was like, well, these ones are already out, but we've got these other tunes, which is which was City Heights and uh, Strolling Adams and sent him those. And he's like, yes, let, let's do it. So then just just went from there. So you already had the songs recorded and then he just, did he compile them together and package them and then release them in that way? For the LP? Yeah, for the LP. Yeah, I, I think uh, by the time that um, that second 45 that, that they did, the first one with Coal Mine came out, I think about half the record was done. And then we, yeah, we finished the rest. And we actually went between two different studios. We, we recorded in, in my home. We rec have recorded it in, in my house the whole mm -hmm. time, but at, at different spots because I just moved. I think I moved here in the middle of the process. Um, so yeah, we just, we just finished it up. He gave us, you know, a little bit of feedback and he, he really liked all the, all the tunes and um, yeah, he, it was, and it's the first, um, the first LP besides the soundtrack, the, the I think it's called Postales soundtrack that, that they put out, which is like members of a Budos band did that one. So we were, oh, the I don't know LP. about that. I'm not familiar with that. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a good record. Um, it's a soundtrack to a, to a film. Oh, huh. Okay. And so we were the first LP. Well I, well, I think maybe his his band, Jive Turkeys. So mm -hmm. so we were the first LP besides besides his his band. Oh, very nice. That's cool. And you guys just stayed with them all these years, huh? Yeah, I, we self released um, another forty five. I think his schedule was too crowded at the time, and I wanted to put put a forty five out. So we did another self release, and then. Um, I've got a label now called All Town Sound, and and we're going to do this live record that we recorded. But mm -hmm. besides that, yeah, everything's been, everything else has been with them. Well, in 2019, you dropped your third coal mine record, Build Bridges, an album that would debut at number one on Billboard's Contemporary Jazz Chart. Can you take us back to the moment when you got the news that you were on the top of Billboard? I mean. You know, that was, we were over the moon. I mean, that was pretty rad. We, um, I think even, even though we had done a lot of collaboration with Coal Mine, we were still feeling like we didn't know if anybody was really listening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, to have, to have, uh, some industry recognition, uh, like that was, I mean, it was awesome. It was super fantastic. And, um, we still we still reel from that for sure. Like yeah. I definitely do. 
How did you guys get the news? It was from Terry. He it was either a text or a call, and he's like, "Guess what, guys? You guys have de- debuted at number one on yeah on on Billboard's Contemporary Jazz Chart." And and just like who else was up there with us? There was like a Miles Davis record. Wow. And so Chris Bodie, I think, was and, on and our, on there. Yeah, Chris Bodie, Herb, Herb Albert record. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is this is this is too too cool. That's good company, right? <laughs> yeah. So were you just like group texting all of a sudden, like guys, check it out? Oh, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah. I think I had a gig that that night and let everyone. I mean, it was a different band, but I let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> got, just got on the mic. Oh, by the way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So twenty twenty arrives, the pandemic shuts everything down, and I'm sure your band had to stop performing and recording just like the rest of the world. And you said that you started working on recording songs. Then at what point did you officially go, okay, this is going to be the next album. Let's start production on this. However we can. And what was that process? Like we, we already had like a good solid base going for it. I think we already had like at least four of the, of the 10 tunes um, recorded. So yeah, I was just, <laughs> you know, it, it was either be sad or get busy. And I chose to just get busy and I wanted to keep, keep these guys busy and, and, you know, not, not lose the the brotherhood and the, and the friendship and the musicality of the group. So just kept, kept sending everybody stuff. And it's it really, I, I mean, Jesse and I have talked about this a little bit, but it was just like a, a really healthy way to, to keep this keep the sanity yeah you know it, it, we, we we needed it i think we all needed it i think um a lot of people uh us included just kind of stepped up in and exactly the way tim was talking about like because we all co- recorded remotely um we kind of had to step up our game as far as production video production i'll tell you right now uh whenever you release this video content i i knew nothing about videography before the mm-hmm. pandemic Mm-hmm. Right. And so I learned a new skill along with uh, more audio skills and we all kind of did. You yeah. Know? Um, but in doing that, it gave us it gave us a way to focus our energy, because I think that's another thing is when you're stuck in the same place for such a long time norm, and you're used to just going out and performing all the time. That's where you s- expel your energy. Right. Mm-hmm. Your your musical energy, your creative energy. And so working on this album allowed us uh to do that and it was very cathartic yeah in that way yeah yeah um i got i gotta give jake nager major props for the drum sound that he got on his property there was a barn and it was like wood walls and <laughs> you know i think him him and, and his brother had had their kits set up in there to practice but jake stepped it up and and you know as a as a recording engineer the drum sound is just like so crucial to like yeah. the vibe and, and the sound of an overall recording. And, and he, you know, he bought a, a, a recording interface. He bought, bought a microphone and, and, you know, he did, he mic'd it in the style, just like single mic or, or two mics on drums. And he, he got a killer sound. Like it's, insp- it's inspired me to think about how I, how I record drums like differently now because, because of the sound yeah. he got. So everybody, it sounds like everybody was sort of recording their own parts in their own studios, their own places. Was there a point when you guys came back together to do work in the studio together for this album, or was all of it done separately? There was tracks that that, that were recorded beforehand, like uh, Gandhi's and um, In Common, uh, Omnificent. Those three were recorded beforehand. Okay. Uh, Boardwalk Bump. We'd been playing out live for a while, and mm-hmm. we had a um, a really good rehearsal recording that I recorded on my phone. So for that one, we already kind of knew what it was going to sound like because we, we we liked the way it sounded live. Wanted to sound you know similar to that that vibe. So I sent out that rehearsal recording to Jake, and he laid a studio drum take over the top of it, and we kind of built the track off of that off of that feel and. Uh, I've never, I'd never done that before. I think that was a cool way to, to, to go about, you know, producing that tune considering the circumstances. Yeah. Has there been an official, uh, surefire soul ensemble reunion yet? Has everybody got back together in person yet? 
No, but we will tomorrow for, we're playing a, an event here in San Diego on Sunday. So tomorrow is our, it won't be, it won't be everybody, but it'll yeah. be, I mean, it's hard to get everybody, but it'll be <laughs> seven of the nine regular members. And then two, two guys that are stepping into sub. Um, yeah. So that, so that'll be nice. I haven't seen some of these people in two years. Wow. Are you excited? I mean, surely you got to be excited. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'd like to play the uh, third track that you sent over from the new album. Uh, it, it's actually a song you just mentioned, The Boardwalk Bump. Um, and unlike the first two tracks we've heard so far, I feel like it's less cinematic in nature and more of like an organ groover uh, with lots of James Brown thrown in, you know, for, for good measure. How did this particular song come together? I mean, you mentioned having a good rehearsal of it, recording that, and then sort of relayering on top of that. What's the foundation of how this song was written and originally put together? Well, this one uh, I came up with. And um, it came from me uh, listening to uh, a lot of uh, Lonnie Smith. Mm. I, I don't know if you could see how there's like a little poster. Of I wondered Smith what the back. poster back there was. I could yeah. just see the little corner of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I was just trying to come up with ideas. And every so often I, I, uh, I play keyboards as well. And so mm. that's normally how I write. And, yeah, the song just kind of came together that way. Um, and I also wanted to do something a little different. It feels like a, you know, it's like a call and response type of thing. You know, mm -hmm. the organ is the lead voice and and everyone else is like the responding voice, um, but in an instrumental format, right? So I, want, I wanted to just try something a little bit different, um, a little different like song form mm. and, and those things. So from a musical, like a technical aspect like that, that's what I was going for. And I think you nailed it. Like the, the James Brown elements were certainly in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, but as far as how the rest of the song came together, a lot of it has to do with just the, I always defer like drum parts or bass parts or guitar parts to the other guys. Mm -hmm. So you guys work your magic. Cause, uh, I don't, I'm not going to know that instrument as well as you guys. Right. Yeah, and and then it kind of has a little little bit of a headhunters element. It, it reminds me, yeah, if like if the headhunters were happening in like 1969 or 1970 instead of when, whenever they came around. I think it was like 73 yeah. when they started. Um, yeah, it just sounds like what would have been earlier period headhunters to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's listen to it from your brand new record, Step Down. Here's the Boardwalk Bump by the Surefire Soul Ensemble.
we're back with Tim and Jesse from the Surefire Soul Ensemble. And I'd like to ask you about another musical outlet your band members are a part of. And this may be what you're referring to uh, about this upcoming show. But on the second and fourth Sundays of the month, you guys host Sundays in the Park. Uh, are these still going on? And what do these events entail? Unfortunately, it has not come back yet. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about let's talk about the history of it because yeah please do because i'm i'm proud of the event and i was very stoked with you know the the response from the community to it mm. and that's where and that's actually where we recorded the, that live album that, that i've mentioned was at mm. the, the panama 66 uh venue on on one of those sundays cool i think it started maybe six six years ago and um wow yeah it was immediate i we immediately in, involve involved Surefire with it, kind of as the as the backing band, and um, just like like a jazz jam session, you have other musicians come in and and join and mm-hmm. sit in, and you know, got to hang with a lot of people that are that are that are usually busy and but made the effort to come out because they wanted to play with members of Surefire and you know share in this uh, communal experience. It was. It was awesome. It was super fun. So is this an outdoor uh, arrangement? Yeah, it's yeah, it's an outdoor venue in in Balboa Park, which is like our big municipal park here in San Diego. In San Diego, the weather's just like perfect, like 80, 90 percent of the time. So, you know, I think we only got rained out like once. Yeah. <laughs> in, in six years. And in and, and a few times we played in drizzle, just like under a covered area a little bit. But most <laughs> of the time it was sunny. And, you know, people were dancing and break, break dancing occasionally. And nice, you know, it's just, this is cool. And so you opened it up to the community and said, anybody wants to come and play, bring an instrument and play. Was that sort of the idea? Yeah. And we, it had, it had structure, you know, we played some surefire songs and we had like some of the, some of the standards by, by like Grant Green, Lonnie Smith, Jimmy mm-hmm. Smith, mm-hmm. um, just kind of the soul jazz funk standards some some James Brown in there. And yeah, I, I, you know, published the, the, the song list so that people could be ready. Um, you know, Jesse's been really good about making horn charts over the years. So we had mm. charts for, you know, so, so, so people could really just come and step in if they wanted to. Some of the tunes are, are accessible enough that you can just show up and, and play them. Yeah. Any chance you guys are going to push to relaunch the uh, the series again? I'd, I'd like to. The venue's running into a little bit of concern with with noise coming out of the pandemic. I don't know if they had new, new uh, tenants move in close to them that, that are concerned with that or, or whatnot, but it seems to be that they're going more with quieter groups at this point because, you know, imagine a nine-piece band plus guests, you know, it's, <laughs> and it's funk and it's like, you know, it's a party place serves alcohol so it gets gets loud yeah jesse did you want to add add to that at all you know um yeah i just speaking about that jam and um thinking back on it it was really interesting i i mean i i grew up like working on jazz i have a degree in in jazz and jazz saxophone and and so we do a lot of jam sessions like over the years i've been to so many jam sessions and this jam session was um so different mm. in that um you know the the music the music itself was different um playing in, in a funk style is not something that a jazz head would work on normally right mm-hmm. and then um the fact that it was so accessible to a lot of people and on a number of occasions you had young guys uh who are just coming up and just starting their careers like would come up and get the opportunity to play with some really experienced funk musicians you know guys Mm -hmm. like jake nager you know it's like that is um that was a really that was really special it was a really great thing that we had going on and i i hope um anyone in san diego that is hearing this should put on allow us to host that jam again (laughs) there you go and uh but yeah it was it was great it was a really uh great time that's really cool well i hope for your sake and for the community's sake that you're able to find an outlet <clears throat> that uh, <laughs> will host uh, this again. 
Well, you guys have a brand new record that drops uh, very quickly here. You're working on, um, I'm assuming, mixing down the uh, the live album. Uh, maybe you've already done that and getting ready to release that. Um, what's next for you guys? Are you going to tour at all to support the new album? You know, we're we're taking all all offers that are coming in. And, um, you know, I don't know if nine people in a, in a van is going to happen, but we'd definitely like to do some, some, some fly-ins and, um, concert series, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I I've got a, a small, a small child, a little, little two-year-old girl now. So, mm. you know, I, I can do stuff that's not too, too crazy. I'd, I'd, I'd love to, it's, it's great music and it, I think it deserves to, it deserves to be heard. Yeah. Well, if you guys ever make your way uh, halfway across the continent, you know, in the Oklahoma range, you guys let me know. I would love to to catch you in person, and uh, we can even host a couple of you. You know, we've got we've got a couple beds. Mm -hmm. We can we can throw some people on if you need it. But oh, nice, uh, thank you. Sweet. Yeah, you guys nice. make it out this way. Let's 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 connect, guys. We're about out of time today. I want to thank you so much uh, for joining me on Forty Minutes of Funk. Uh, it has been so much fun talking with you uh, you guys are one of my bucket list bands for sure so it's it's been great oh thank you where can listeners go to hear more of your music and follow you online well we've got got the instagram that's probably our most our most active online uh app mm -hmm. you know with, with the face the facebook things kind of seems to be f fading at this point people are preferring preferring the instagram so mm -hmm. you, you get more more content from us there um of course you can listen to our music uh, streaming on Spotify, or you can you can go to the coal mine website and buy any of our physical releases, or or you can you can buy the um, the digital stuff too if you're so inclined. All right, well, listeners, the Surefire Soul Ensemble's new album Step Down drops tomorrow, April first, twenty twenty two, and I highly recommend running out into the streets to your local record store, buying every copy you can. They're pressed on this amazing multicolored vinyl that'll make all your friends jealous. Uh, or at least hop on uh, Bandcamp or the uh, Coal Mine website and, and download the album there. Patreon members, uh, after we're finished, be sure to hop onto your Patreon account to hear an exclusive bonus B-side track. Uh, by the Surefire Soul Ensemble that didn't make it onto the new album. Thanks to Tim and Jesse for sharing that bonus with us. Well, guys, what is the last bit of information, news, story, anything that I forgot that listeners need to know about the Surefire Soul Ensemble? I'd say support live music, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, just in general. I mean, uh, whether it's Surefire or your other favorite bands, uh, we musicians we're not out of the woods yet it's been a while since lockdown but we're not out of the woods yet so go out support live music buy those albums buy the vinyl uh watch the videos do whatever you can uh to show your love yeah let's let's bring live music back again make it make it stronger th than it's ever been um i like to add this one you know don't ask to be on the guest list we've been out of work for two years so pay pay, hey. pay to get in <laughs> there, there you go, go. <laughs> there you go. Support your local music, support your favorite bands. I think uh, everybody can benefit from that. Well, guys, thanks so much again for joining me and best of luck. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of 40 Minutes of Funk. I want to thank Jesse Adello and Tim Felton for joining me today. Please check out the Surefire Soul Ensemble's brand new album, Step Down, which releases April 1st, 2022 on the Coal Mine Records label. You can find links to their music and tour schedule online at sfsemusic.com, follow them on Instagram at Surefire Soul Ensemble, or buy physical LPs and 45s at coalminerecords.com. If you'd like to help support the 40 Minutes of Funk podcast, please look for me on patreon.com or buymeacoffee.com today and make a small gift online. Thanks in advance. Speaking of which, Patreon supporters, don't forget to log on to your account right now and hear an exclusive track by the Surefire Soul Ensemble that is not included on their new album, provided graciously by Tim and Jesse. 
If you'd like to promote your business with affordable advertising geared at funk-loving listeners, please drop me a line at 40minutesoffunk at gmail.com. And please help spread the word about 40 Minutes of Funk by sharing links to episodes and social media with your friends and fellow Funketeers. I really appreciate it. This is Michael B., and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 40 Minutes of Funk or online at 40minutesoffunk.com using the numbers 4 and 0. Do me a solid. Please rate and leave feedback for this podcast wherever you listen so others can find it easier. You can also hear my instrumental funk radio show Friday nights at 9 p.m. Central online at kgou.org. It's called Tonic the Funky Groove Show, and it's on social media at Funky Groove Show. This show's intro, outro, and advertising music is written and copyrighted by me and performed by a surefire lineup of musicians. More info on the 40 Minutes of Funk website. Remember, funk music is all about being on the one. Simply put, treat everyone equally. Be kind to others, especially those who are different from you. Be well, friends, and thanks again.